Chapter Eleven of Howard's End. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Howard's End by E. M. Forster. Chapter Eleven. The funeral was over. The carriages rolled away through the soft mud, and only the poor remained they approached to the newly dug shaft and looked their last at the coffin now almost hidden beneath the spadefuls of clay it was their moment most of them were women from the dead woman's district to whom black garments had been served out by mr wilcox's orders pure curiosity had brought others they thrilled with the excitement of a death and of a rapid death and stood in groups or moved between the graves like drops of ink the son of one of them a wood-cutter was perched high above their heads pollarding one of the churchyard elms from where he sat he could see the village of hilton strung upon the north road with its accreting suburbs the sunset beyond scarlet and orange winking at him beneath brows of grey the church the plantations and behind him an unspoiled country of fields and farms but he too was rolling the event luxuriously in his mouth he tried to tell his mother down below all that he had felt when he saw the coffin approaching how he could not leave his work and yet did not like to go on with it how he had almost slipped out of the tree he was so upset the rooks had cawed and no wonder it was as if rooks knew too his mother claimed the prophetic power herself she had seen a strange look about mrs wilcox for some time london had done the mischief said others she had been a kind lady her grandmother had been kind too a plainer person but very kind ah the old sort was dying out mr wilcox he was a kind gentleman they advanced to the topic again and again duly but with exaltation the funeral of a rich person was to them what the funeral of alcestis or ophelia is to the educated it was art though remote from life it enhanced life's values and they witnessed it avidly the grave-diggers who had kept up an undercurrent of disapproval they disliked charles it was not a moment to speak of such things but they did not like charles wilcox the grave-diggers finished their work and piled up the wreaths and crosses above it the sun set over hilton the gray brows of the evening flushed a little and were cleft with one scarlet frown chattering sadly to each other the mourners passed through the lich gate and traversed the chestnut avenues that led down to the village the young woodcutter stayed a little longer poised above the silence and swaying rhythmically at last the bough fell beneath his saw with a grunt he descended his thoughts dwelling no longer on death but on love for he was mating he stopped as he passed the new grave a sheaf of tawny chrysanthemums had caught his eye they didn't ought to have colored flowers at burying's he reflected trudging on a few steps he stopped again looked furtively at the dusk turned back 
wrenched a chrysanthemum from the sheaf and hid it in his pocket after him came silence absolute the cottage that abutted on the churchyard was empty and no other house stood near hour after hour the scene of the internment remained without an eye to witness it clouds drifted over it from the west or the church may have been a ship high prowed steering with all its company towards infinity towards morning the air grew colder the sky clearer the surface of the earth hard and sparkling above the prostrate dead the woodcutter returning after a night of joy reflected they lilies they croissants it's a pity i didn't take them all up at howard's end they were attempting breakfast charles and evie sat in the dining-room with mrs charles their father who could not bear to see a face breakfasted upstairs he suffered acutely pain came over him in spasms as if it was physical and even while he was about to eat his eyes would fill with tears and he would lay down the morsel untasted he remembered his wife's even goodness during thirty years not anything in detail not courtship or early raptures but just the unvarying virtue that seemed to him a woman's noblest quality so many women are capricious breaking into odd flaws of passion or frivolity not so his wife year after year summer and winter as bride and mother she had been the same he had always trusted her her tenderness her innocence the wonderful innocence that was hers by the gift of god ruth knew no more of worldly wickedness and wisdom than did the flowers in her garden or the grass in her field her idea of business henry why do people who have enough money try to get more money her idea of politics i am sure that if the mothers of various nations could meet there would be no more wars her idea of religion ah this had been a cloud but a cloud that passed she came of quaker stock and he and his family formerly dissenters were now members of the church of england the rector's sermons had at first repelled her and she had expressed a desire for a more inward light adding not so much for myself as for baby charles inward light must have been granted for he heard no complaints in later years they brought up their three children without dispute they had never disputed she lay under the earth now she had gone and as if to make her going the more bitter had gone with a touch of mystery that was all unlike her why didn't you tell me you knew of it he had moaned and her faint voice had answered i didn't want to henry i might have been wrong and everyone hates illnesses he had been told of the horror by a strange doctor whom she had consulted during his absence from town was this altogether just without fully explaining she had died it was a fault on her part and tears rushed into his eyes what a little fault it was the only time she had deceived him in those thirty years he rose to his feet and looked out of the window for evie had come in with the letters and he could meet no one's eye ah yes she had been a good woman she had been steady he chose the word deliberately 
to him steadiness included all praise he himself gazing at the wintry garden is in appearance a steady man his face was not as square as his son's and indeed the chin though firm enough in outline retreated a little and the lips ambiguous were curtained by a moustache but there was no external hint of weakness the eyes if capable of kindness and good fellowship if ruddy for the moment with tears were the eyes of one who could not be driven the forehead too was like charles's high and straight brown and polished merging abruptly into temples and skull it has the effect of a bastion that protected his head from the world at times it had the effect of a blank wall he had dwelt behind it intact and happy for fifty years the posts come father said evie awkwardly thanks put it down has the breakfast been all right yes thanks the girl glanced at him and at it with constraint she did not know what to do charles says do you want the times no i'll read it later ring if you want anything father won't you i've all i want having sorted the letters from the circulars she went back to the dining-room father's eaten nothing she announced sitting down with wrinkled brows behind the tea-urn charles did not answer but after a moment he ran quickly upstairs opened the door and said look here father you must eat you know and having paused for a reply that did not come stole down again he's going to read his letters first i think he said evasively i dare say he will go on with his breakfast afterwards then he took up the times and for some time there was no sound except the clink of cup against saucer and of knife on plate poor mrs charles sat between her silent companions terrified at the course of events and a little bored she was a rubbishy little creature and she knew it a telegram had dragged her from naples to the deathbed of a woman whom she had scarcely known a word from her husband had plunged her into mourning she desired to mourn inwardly as well but she wished that mrs wilcox since fated to die could have died before the marriage for then less would have been expected of her crumbling her toast and too nervous to ask for the butter she remained almost motionless thankful only for this that her father-in-law was having his breakfast upstairs at last charles spoke they had no business to be pollarding those elms yesterday he said to his sister no indeed i must make a note of that he continued i am surprised that the rector allowed it perhaps it may not be the rector's affair whose else could it be the lord of the manor impossible butter dolly thank you evie dear charles yes dear i didn't know one could pollard elms i thought one only pollarded willows oh no one can pollard elms then why oughtn't the elms in the churchyard to be pollarded charles frowned a little and turned again to his sister another point i must speak to chocolate yes rather you must complain to chocolate it's no good him saying he is not responsible for those men he is responsible yes rather 
brother and sister were not callous they spoke thus partly because they desired to keep chocolatey up to the mark a healthy desire in its way partly because they avoided the personal note in life all wilcoxes did it did not seem to them of supreme importance or it may be as helen supposed they realized its importance but were afraid of it panic and emptiness could one glance behind they were not callous and they left the breakfast table with aching hearts their mother never had come in to breakfast it was in the other rooms and especially in the garden that they felt her loss most as charles went out to the garage he was reminded at every step of the woman who had loved him and whom he could never replace what battles he had fought against her gentle conservatism how she had disliked improvements yet how loyally she had accepted them when made he and his father what trouble they had had to get this very garage with what difficulty had they persuaded her to yield them to the paddock for it the paddock that she loved more dearly than the garden itself the vine she had got her way about the vine it still encumbered the south wall with its unproductive branches and so with evie as she stood talking to the cook though she could take up her mother's work inside the house just as the man could take it up without she felt that something unique had fallen out of her life their grief though less poignant than their father's grew from deeper roots for a wife may be replaced a mother never charles would go back to the office there was little to do at howard's end the contents of his mother's will had been long known to them there were no legacies no annuities none of the posthumous bustle with which some of the dead prolonged their activities trusting her husband she had left him everything without reserve she was quite a poor woman the house had been all her dowry and the house would come to charles in time her water-colors mr wilcox intended to reserve for paul while evie would take the jewelry and lace how easily she slipped out of life charles thought the habit laudable though he did not intend to adopt it himself whereas margaret would have seen it an almost culpable indifference to earthly fame cynicism not the superficial cynicism that snarls and sneers but the cynicism that can go with courtesy and tenderness that was the note of mrs wilcox's will she wanted not to vex people that accomplished the earth might freeze over her for ever no there was nothing for charles to wait for he could not go on with his honeymoon so he would go up to london and work he felt too miserable hanging about he and dolly would have the furnished flat while his father rested quietly in the country with evie he could also keep an eye on his own little house which was being painted and decorated for him in one of the surrey suburbs and in which he hoped to install himself soon after christmas yes he would go up after lunch in his new motor and the town servants who had come down for the funeral would go up by train he found his father's chauffeur in the garage said morning without looking at the man's face and bending over the car continued hello my new car's been driven has it sir yes said charles getting rather red and whoever's driven it hasn't cleaned it properly 
for there's mud on the axle take it off the man went for the cloths without a word he was a chauffeur as ugly as sin not that this did him disservice with charles who thought charm in a man rather rot and had soon got rid of the little italian beast with whom they had started charles his bride was tripping after him over the hoar-frost a dainty black column her little face and elaborate morning hat forming the capital thereof one minute i'm busy well crane who's been driving it do you suppose don't know i'm sure sir no one's driven it since i've been back but of course there's the fortnight i've been away with the other car in yorkshire the mud came off easily charles your father's down something's happened he wants you in the house at once oh charles wait dear wait a minute who had the key to the garage while you were away crane the gardener sir do you mean to tell me that old penny can drive a motor no sir no one's had the motor out sir then how do you account for the mud on the axle i can't of course say for the time i've been in yorkshire no more mud now sir charles was vexed the man was treating him as a fool and if his heart had not been so heavy he would have reported him to his father but it was not a morning for complaints ordering the motor to be round after lunch he joined his wife who had all the while been pouring out some incoherent story about a letter and a miss schlegel now dolly i can attend to you miss schlegel what does she want when people wrote a letter charles always asked what they wanted want was to him the only cause of action and the question in this case was correct for his wife replied she wants howard's end howard's end now crane just don't forget to put on the stepney wheel no sir now mind you don't forget for i come little woman when they were out of the chauffeur's sight he put his arm around her waist and pressed her against him all his affection and half his attention it was what he granted her throughout their happy married life but you haven't listened charles what's wrong i keep on telling you howard's end miss schlegel's got it got what asked charles unclasping her what the dickens are you talking about now charles you promise not to say those naughty look here i'm in no mood for foolery it's no morning for it either i tell you i keep on telling you miss schlegel she's got it your mother's left it to her and you've all got to move out howard's end howard's end she screamed mimicking him and as she did so evie came dashing out of the shrubbery dolly go back at once my father's much annoyed with you charles she hid herself wildly come in at once to father he's had a letter that's too awful charles began to run but checked himself and stepped heavily across the gravel path there the house was the nine windows the unprolific vine he exclaimed schlegel's again and as if to complete chaos dolly said oh no the matron of the nursing home has written instead of her come in all three of you cried his father 
no longer inert dolly why have you disobeyed me oh mr wilcox i told you not to go out to the garage i've heard you all shouting in the garden i won't have it come in he stood in the porch transformed letters in his hand into the dining-room every one of you we can't discuss private matters in the middle of all the servants here charles here read this see what you make charles took two letters and read them as he followed the procession the first was a covering note from the matron mrs wilcox had desired her when the funeral should be over to forward the enclosed the enclosed it was from his mother herself she had written to my husband i should like miss schlegel margaret to have howard's end i suppose we're going to have a talk about this he remarked ominously calm certainly i was coming out to you when dolly well let's sit down come evie don't waste time sit down in silence they drew up to the breakfast table the events of yesterday indeed of this morning suddenly receded into a past so remote that they seemed scarcely to have lived in it heavy breathings were heard they were calming themselves charles to steady them further read the enclosure out loud a note in my mother's handwriting in an envelope addressed to my father sealed inside i should like miss schlegel margaret to have howard's end no date no signature forwarded through the matron of that nursing home now the question is dolly interrupted him but i say that note isn't legal houses ought to be done by a lawyer charles surely her husband worked his jaw severely little lumps appeared in front of either ear a symptom that she had not yet learned to respect and she asked whether she might see the note charles looked at his father for permission who said abstractedly give it to her she seized it and at once exclaimed why it's only in pencil i said so pencil never counts we know that it is not legally binding dolly said mr wilcox speaking from out of his fortress we are aware of that legally i should be justified in tearing it up and throwing it into the fire of course my dear we consider you as one of the family but it will be better if you do not interfere with what you do not understand charles vexed both with his father and his wife then repeated the question is he had cleared a space of the breakfast table from plates and knives so that he could draw patterns on the tablecloth the question is whether miss schlegel during the fortnight we were all away whether she unduly he stopped i don't think that said his father whose nature was nobler than his son's don't think what that she would have that it is a case of undue influence no to my mind the question is the the invalid's condition at the time she wrote my dear father consult an expert if you like but i don't admit it is my mother's writing why you just said it was cried dolly never mind if i did he blazed out and hold your tongue the poor little wife colored at this and drawing her handkerchief from her pocket shed a few tears no one noticed her evie was scowling like an angry boy the two men were gradually assuming the manner of the committee room they were both at their best when serving on committees 
they did not make the mistake of handling human affairs in the bulk but disposed of them item by item sharply calligraphy was the item before them now and on it they turned their well-trained brains charles after a little demure accepted the writing as genuine and they passed on to the next point it is the best perhaps the only way of dodging emotion they were the average human article and had they considered the note as a whole it would have driven them miserable or mad considered item by item the emotional content was minimized and all went forward smoothly the clock ticked the coals blazed higher and contended with the white radiance that poured in through the windows unnoticed the sun occupied his sky and the shadows of the tree stems extraordinarily solid fell like trenches of purple across the frosted lawn it was a glorious winter morning evie's fox terrier who had passed for white was only a dirty gray dog now so intense was the purity that surrounded him he was discredited but the blackbirds that he was chasing glowed with arabian darkness for all the conventional colouring of life had been altered inside the clock struck ten with a rich and confident note other clocks confirmed it and the discussion moved towards its close to follow it is unnecessary it is rather a moment when the commentator should step forward ought the wilcoxes to have offered their home to margaret i think not the appeal was too flimsy it was not legal it had been written in illness and under the spell of a sudden friendship it was contrary to the dead woman's intentions in the past contrary to her very nature so far as that nature was understood by them to them howard's end was a house they could not know that to her it had been a spirit for which she sought a spiritual heir and pushing one step farther in these mists may they not have decided even better than they supposed is it credible that the possessions of the spirit can be bequeathed at all has the sole offspring a witch elm tree a vine a wisp of hay with dew on it can passion for such things be transmitted where there is no bond of blood no the wilcoxes are not to be blamed the problem is too terrific and they could not even perceive a problem no it is natural and fitting that after due debate they should tear the note up and throw it on to their dining-room fire the practical moralist may acquit them absolutely he who strives to look deeper may acquit them almost for one hard fact remains they did neglect a personal appeal the woman who had died did say to them do this and they answered we will not the incident made a most painful impression on them grief mounted into the brain and worked there disquietingly yesterday they had lamented she was a dear mother a true wife in our absence she neglected her health and died to-day they thought she was not as true as dear as we supposed the desire for a more inward light had found expression at last the unseen had impacted on the scene and all that they could say was treachery mrs wilcox had been treacherous to the family to the laws of property to her own written word 
how did she expect howard's end to be conveyed to miss schlegel was her husband to whom it legally belonged to make it over to her as a free gift was the said miss schlegel to have a life interest in it or to own it absolutely was there to be no compensation for the garage and other improvements that they had made under the assumption that all would be theirs some day treacherous treacherous and absurd when we think the dead both treacherous and absurd we have gone far towards reconciling ourselves to their departure that note scribbled in pencil sent through the matron was on business-like as well as cruel and decreased at once the value of the woman who had written it ah well said mr wilcox rising from the table i shouldn't have thought it possible mother couldn't have meant it said evie still frowning no my girl of course not mother believes so in ancestors too it isn't like her to leave anything to an outsider who'd never appreciate the whole thing is unlike her he announced if miss schlegel had been poor if she had wanted a house i could understand it a little but she has a house of her own why should she want another she wouldn't have any use of howard's end that time may prove murmured charles how asked his sister presumably she knows mother will have told her she got twice or three times into the nursing home presumably she is awaiting developments what a horrid woman and dolly who had recovered cried why she may be coming down to turn us out now charles put her right i wish she would he said ominously i could then deal with her so could i echoed his father who was feeling rather in the cold charles had been kind in undertaking the funeral arrangements and in telling him to eat his breakfast but the boy as he grew up was a little dictatorial and assumed the post of chairman too readily i could deal with her if she comes but she won't come you're all a bit hard on miss schlegel that paul business was pretty scandalous though i want no more of the paul business charles as i said at the time and besides it is quite apart from this business margaret schlegel has been officious and tiresome during this terrible week and we have all suffered under her but upon my soul she's honest she's not in collusion with the matron i'm absolutely certain of it nor was she with the doctor i'm equally certain of that she did not hide anything from us for up to that very afternoon she was as ignorant as we are she like ourselves was a dupe he stopped for a moment you see charles in her terrible pain your poor mother put us all in false positions paul would not have left england you would not have gone to italy nor evie and i into yorkshire if only we had known well miss schlegel's position has been equally false take all in all she has not come out of it badly evie said but those chrysanthemums or coming down to the funeral at all echoed dolly why shouldn't she come down she had the right to and she stood far back among the hilton women the flowers certainly we should not have sent such flowers but they may have seemed the right thing to her evie and for all you know they may be the custom in germany oh i forget she isn't really english cried evie that would explain a lot 
she's a cosmopolitan said charles looking at his watch i admit i'm rather down on cosmopolitans my fault doubtless i cannot stand them and a german cosmopolitan is the limit i think that's about all isn't it i want to run down and see chocolate a bicycle will do and by the way i wish you'd speak to crane some time i'm certain he's had my new car out has he done it any harm no in that case i shall let it pass it's not worth while having a row charles and his father sometimes disagreed but they always parted with an increased regard for one another and each desired no dotier comrade when it was necessary to voyage for a little past the emotions so the sailors of ulysses voyaged past the sirens having first stopped one another's ears with wool end of chapter eleven